Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three P's, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. All right. Well, on episode 81, we dove into the... um, sales level of Fix This Next, which is that base level. Sales is like oxygen to your business. You can't live without sales. You're not in business unless you're making sales. Uh, On today's episode, we are going to progress up the uh, business hierarchy of needs to the next level, and that is the profit level. So at the profit level, the company's focus shifts to the creation of stability. Profit gives you stability. And what's important is massive revenue, so massive sales, doesn't mean much when you have no profit and you're drowning in debt. When all five needs in the profit level are satisfied, then you are truly positioned to scale your business without financial collapse. So the five areas of the profit level are debt eradication, margin health, transaction frequency, profitable leverage, and cash reserves. And so once you're in that profit level and working on that, then you determine what do you need to fix next in the profit level. So out of the five, let's start with number one. If you have debt in your business, then you need to eradicate that debt and not accumulate any more debt. So how do you remove debt? First, you have to understand how much debt your business has, including any debt you have to shareholders. So if you've, in the last few years or when you started the company, sort of loaned the company money but didn't translate that into you know, additional equity in the company, then that's a liability on your balance sheet. That's a loan to a shareholder. And that is debt on the company that you would want to address in addition to any sort of other traditional lines of credit debt, credit card debt, any other types of loan debt. If you have uh, company vehicles that uh, you're paying off in the business, that is debt. And so um, this is where your balance sheet comes into play. And under your liabilities is where you can see what your debt stands at in terms of um, the different debts you have and the balances of that debt. 
Now, remember in Profit First, we service debt. We pay the minimum monthly payments out of operating expenses. But at the end of each quarter, we eradicate the debt by taking the balance of the profit hold account and 99% of that balance goes towards paying down the principal of debt. Profit will pay your debt down and pay the principal down. And then you'll take that 1% remaining and you'll celebrate with it. You're that much closer to having zero debt in your business. And that is a reason to celebrate with a fancy venti, mocha latte, whatever, blah, 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 from your favorite coffee shop. So additionally, under the debt eradication, after understanding how much debt your business has, then you need to know when did that debt sort of arrive in the business and how long has it been sitting as a liability in the business. Then look back too on, okay, well, here's where we are today in terms of our liabilities and and debts to shareholders. Where were we a year ago? Where were we six months ago? Look at different stages in your business to see, you know, are you starting to accumulate more debt or um, have you been keeping steady and just maintaining the liabilities without accumulating any more debt? Again, this is really, really important. With Profit First, we want you to ideally, as you go down the path of permanent profitability, you're operating at a debt-free level and uh, you are able to accumulate cash in your business that creates your own sort of line of credit. You're banking on yourself in your business with Profit First as you get further down the path to permanent profitability. And then, you know, what's interesting too, and this is in the debt servicing category, so how much interest have you been paying on that debt? And think of this too. I mean, the debt servicing is an operating expense, okay, that's fine. But you know what? Once that debt is gone, you no longer have to service that debt and that frees up more money in your operating budget to adjust things even more and push you towards maybe... If you can reduce your operating allocation percentage because you don't have to service debt anymore, then those percentage points can then be applied to um, increasing your profit allocation percentages if you're not yet at your target allocation percentage. So this is a way to accelerate and get you to your target allocation percentages faster. Now, remember, with regards to the debt eradication we recommend uh, Dave Ramsey's debt snowball. And so what the debt snowball is, is that you know at the end of each quarter, when you are taking 99% of your profit hold account, if you have debt, you're gonna apply that to the lowest principal balance of debt that you have, not based off of the debt that has the highest interest rate, et cetera. So, you want to wipe out the lowest debt first, then you just keep going down in that order of lowest to highest debt. So if you have a $10,000 debt and a $1,000 debt, you're gonna pay off the $1,000 debt first, and then you'll work towards the $10,000 debt, all right? Now let's move on to margin health. 
The second aspect to assess in the profit level. So, you know, when we talk about margin health, we're asking, do you have healthy profit margins within each of your offerings? And do you continually seek ways to improve them? All right. You know, I talk to so many entrepreneurs, um, people in Profit First, people, you know, outside of Profit First. And it just is, you know, very common that most people have been charging the same price. They charge a price that's comfortable to what they think is comfortable to them and to their market, but they have no idea what their margin is. Like, are they profitable even charging that price? And oftentimes, it's like you're barely squeaking by and you're giving yourself no margin, essentially, with the prices that you're charging. So in the margin health category, what you're wanting to do is you're wanting to assess what is your company's overall margin. So that's gross profit as a percentage of income. So that can be found on your income statement or your profit and loss statement. Um, And there's even a way to run it where you see the actual percentage done for you if you don't want to do that simple calculation. The next aspect is to ask yourself, what are your margins for each product offering? All right. This is really important. Some things have more value and should be priced higher and should yield a higher margin. So uh, you don't have to just do things willy-nilly or just think, okay, well, 15% will do across the board. No, um, you really want to assess each of your product offerings and understand where you are in terms of the market on that, how much value is going into it, and then raising the prices on that. Raising prices is how you increase margin and how you improve profitability is number one, increase margin. Number two, decrease expenses. Margin health is super, super important. And then, you know, as part of that margin health is what costs are necessary to support the delivery of the offering. So here's where, you know, cost of goods comes into play. The expenses associated with delivering the goods or services to your clients. You know, how can you do that for less? When you decrease the expenses, that will increase your margin with that offering. And then finally, with what frequency are your prices adjusted to improve and even maintain margin health? Again, you you should get into a regular habit of increasing prices on a regular and consistent basis. I was doing a workshop with a group of dance studio owners um, that are part of the Gold Alliance. And, you know, we talked about what their prices were and, um, and increases. And you have to look at things from two different perspectives. You know, a 10% increase in prices sounds like a lot, but when you're charging $15 for a class, a 10% increase is $1.50. So when you look at it from the perspective of we're going to increase our prices 10%, do you say it is 10% because that seems kind of high to people? Or do you say, hey, we're increasing our class prices by $1.50? So it's all in perception. And so look at it from both perspectives. Look at it from, okay, you know, the percentage might sound high, 
once you get into those double digits, people's minds sort of like think it's 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 a lot, but it's a dollar fifty. It's not that much. So look at it from both perspectives. Look at it like, hey, what if we raised our prices five dollars? What would that mean to the business? What percentage would that be? So go both ways at it. Look at it from, okay, if we do it by 10% or if we do it by this dollar amount, what does that equate to and how does that help us? And then again, you need to start making this a habit. You know, Ron talked about this. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I don't have the episode number, but I will put it in this resource in the show notes. We talked about pricing strategies and, you know, with pricing This is how you protect your margin health and keep it healthy is by continually assessing and adjusting and increasing your pricing accordingly. And, um, you know, one good thing that Ron shared with us, well, he shared a lot of great things, but uh, one thing that, you know, make that declaration, say, this is what we're going to do and let people know. And then that sort of, you know, requires you to follow through on that action because this is super important to your business. All right, the number three area for us to focus on in the profit level is transaction frequency. Do your clients repeatedly buy from you over alternatives? So what percentage of your clients buy from you repeatedly? So, you know, I mean, you can look at this. I I, I promise you, this almost could be applied to 98% of businesses. It's interesting, even with the dance studio owners, that I was uh, working with last week was about that as well. You know, they have the recreational students who start out coming just once a week, and then they have their company or competition students who, you know, are doing multiple classes per day and coming multiple days per week. So, you know, it's, it's getting those people to increase their frequency with you. The other thing, too, is what's interesting is Once you have a customer, I really challenge you to think about how you can make that person a customer for life. Because once you have them, it's way cheaper to keep someone than have to go out into the wild and find new customers and endure those uh, customer acquisition costs that we know it takes to attract new customers to your business. So, you know, grow with your customer. What can you offer your customer that enhances their experience with you, that takes them to a new level, or helps you expand and grow your business. I've talked to countless entrepreneurs who have, you know, started in one thing, but then have created, you know, even a complimentary business or or additional revenue streams of things that can further service their existing customers and help those customers solve the problems that they have. If your offering, however, does not inherently create repeating sales, then what are the avatars that buy from you most often? So you really need to look at, you know, who is your best customer? Your best customer is maybe not your favorite customer. Um, it's your most profitable customer. Is is It's, it's sort of a, a combination, um, but it's definitely one of your most profitable customers is the people that you want to attract more of. So what does that person look like from, you know, a million different angles? You know, what's interesting with me in one of my businesses that uh, I have, the all-in company, our ideal like program member is someone who has multiple businesses. 
someone who isn't overwhelmed by one business, but has taken on, you know, creating additional businesses and just, you know, when they find a solution, want to come in and implement that solution and move on to the next thing. They've got like time and just want to make it happen. They want to fix this shit now is essentially um, our ideal avatar for that program. But, you know, it's interesting because it, it really took kind of like peeling back some layers of different aspects. And, you know, there was people in our program who we really liked, but they aren't necessarily our ideal avatar. Our ideal avatar is that individual who has multiple businesses and wanting to scale and grow. The next aspect would be, what is the average sales value per client? So these are really important metrics to know. This is peeling back the layers of your business. And you know when you know these numbers, I mean, and you start loving these numbers, what do they do? They love you back. So, um, you know, really start to look at what is the average sales value per client? And then, you know, how can you improve that? How can you go from a $100 average sales value per client to a $125 or $150 average sales value per client? What would that take? What does that look like? And then what is the value of the client over their lifetime? Now, you know, there's, you can Google it. Um, A lot of people have different takes on the lifetime value of a client. You know, lifetime is not for the client's rest of their life. Um, There is an average sort of term uh, that the client is with you and a patron of your business. And so you need to, number one, figure out what that average is. Is that client with you for a year and a half? Is that client with you for six months? Is that client with you for three years, three and a half years, four years, five years? Understand what that is. And then once you understand that, well, what could you do to increase that average time that they're a customer in that lifetime? How can you increase your average lifetime value? And when I say value, I'm also talking about the term that they're with you for. So you know, if they're if your average lifetime value is six months, what would it, what could you do to get that up to nine months? And if it's you know a year, what could you do to increase that to two years? Again, that that value is in is in maintaining those ideal customers for a longer period of time and increasing the value that you're delivering to them and can charge them for said increase in value. All right. The fourth aspect would be to look at the profitable leverage that you have. So when debt is used, is it used to generate predictable increases in profitability? So what is your return on investment on borrowed money in 30 days, 90 days, 120 days? So yes, of course, sometimes you need to take money to make money, but you need to make sure that it is being used for a specific purpose. If you have a purchase order for, you know, 10,000 pieces of something that you need to manufacture, then that money's good. It does make sense if you need to, you know, tap into a line of credit to buy the raw material so that you can produce the goods that have been purchased off that purchase order, um, you know, then you should be able to, you know, get an ROI on that borrowed money 
in 30, 45, 60 days after you produce the materials and collect on that purchase order from the client. And then how long on average does it take to achieve your return on investment when you do leverage debt? Um, This is important. And again, another metric that you can look at and play a game with. I mean, I love numbers because it's like a game to me. So it's like, okay, here's where it is. Can I get it higher? Do I need to get it lower? What do I need to move it along the path? And then what process do you use to determine whether a loan is a good investment? So, you know, if you're needing money to buy the raw materials um, to produce the goods on a purchase order you've gotten from a client, yeah, that's a good investment because you've pretty much already sold those items. But if you're needing to borrow money at this stage to cover payroll, then that's not a good investment. Um, That's telling you that there's a problem. There's a sales problem, number one. And there also could be a people problem. You could be paying too much um, in payroll expense. And that is extremely common, especially with businesses, you know, with five to 25 employees. So, you know, really understand why you need to leverage debt and can you get a return on investment on it or is it just to try to keep your head above water? And if it's to keep your head above water, then um, it's not a good idea to take debt as leverage. All right. And then the final one is cash reserves. Does the business have enough cash reserves to cover all expenses for three months or longer? Woohoo! This is the sweet spot um, when it comes to profit first and being very far down on the path to permanent profitability is having the cash reserves. And so it's really important for you to understand what is the cost of running your business for three months? And everything you take with a grain of salt. So, you know, you can get really specific about it or you can just kind of broad brush it and, and such with the cost of running the business for three months. Do you want to run the business for three months as is, or do you want to, you know, run it real skinny on that three months? But it's really important that you understand, you know, how much does it take to run your business on an average month? If you're a seasonal business, you should understand the differences between those um, high season months and then your low season months. And then how much do you have in easily accessible cash reserves in your business? So remember, after you have eradicated the debt in your business, on your quarterly profit distributions, you are taking 50% of the profit hold balance as your reward, as your profit distribution, your your owner's distribution, and then you're keeping 50% of the balance in the business, and that is what helps you build your cash reserves. And then, you know, what you do with your cash reserves is, Number one, you build yourself a cushion. So ideally, three months is the bare minimum. But, you know, under these circumstances and what we've experienced over the last couple of years with COVID, hey, maybe it's not a bad idea to have five or six months of operating expenses under your belt as cash reserves. And then also determine, you know, if there is an emergency, how is the money used for emergency situations? Um, and then also with these cash reserves, you know, after you get to a certain point and you've built six months of, of operating expense cushion in your budget, 
you know, then you can start to take some of that money and then above and beyond that six months of, of what's accumulating and designate it for other purposes in your business, including salaries for new hires, et cetera. So this uh, was a little bit longer, a little bit deeper, but we, of course, have uh, our visual recap, which has a checklist of everything that we've just talked about, and also to a reference to the pricing strategy episode with Ron Saharian, the president and um, co-founder of Profit First Professionals. Now, you don't have to do this alone. There are accountants, bookkeepers, and coaches with the heart of the teacher who are certified profit first professionals who are ready, willing, and more than able to assist you in helping you really peel back the layers and really understand the numbers of your business so that you can, you know, accelerate your journey down the path to permanent profitability And you can connect with a certified Profit First professional by going to ProfitFirstNation.com and click on contact. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Uh, I can't believe that we are coming up on our 100th episode. This has been uh, so much fun and so exciting. We have been uh, picking up new subscribers. So welcome to the new podcast subscribers. But the biggest way that people learn about the podcast is by um, the reviews on the podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts. So I would really appreciate it if you wouldn't mind taking a couple seconds to write a review. And you could also do that on our website as well. And that will take you to your podcast catcher and you can leave a review there. Thank you so much and cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friend. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts and resources are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.